Hello and welcome to episode 283 of the Dan York Report. Back in October 2015, I was at the Astrocon 2015 event in Orlando, Florida. And in my keynote, I spoke about the challenges of walled gardens of messaging, about the choice of futures we have, about the way we need to look at, um, well, messaging in general. And I said, you know, what are some of the solutions we have out there? Well, one of the potentials is a service, an application, a, a product from uh, an entity called Matrix.org. And it looks to federate connections between different kinds of messaging apps and services. And I had a chance to sit down and talk with the founder, coordinator, Matthew Hodgson. And the interview you're about to hear is that. Now, granted, this was recorded a number of months ago, so things may have changed since then. But you can go to matrix.org to see the latest uh, and greatest of what's going on there. So hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the talk, and I'm looking forward to interviewing Matthew again at some future point to uh, dive into more details. So uh, give it a listen. Here it is. Hi, it's Dan York, and I'm here at the Astrocon 2015 conference in Orlando, Florida, and I'm sitting with Matthew Hodgson, who is with the Matrix.org program. And Matthew, you know, in my keynote, uh, when I talked about, I talked a lot about the challenge with walled gardens of messaging and the uh, the, the the issue we have right now with so many different, you know, we, we want to use Facebook Messenger, we want to use, you know, Wire, we want to use whatever, Kick, all these kind of things. You know, w- explain a bit about what is the Matrix Project trying to do? What are you trying to make? How are you trying to solve this problem? Oh, funny you should mention the keynote, Dan, because I was in there listening to um, you speak about this, and this problem is precisely what Matrix has been created to try to solve. I mean, uh, our background is building interoperable SIP infrastructure over the years, but then found ourselves moving into building silos ourselves. We were selling uh, messaging apps to phone networks which didn't interoperate with one another, and meanwhile SIP and XMPP and similar protocols haven't necessarily um, come to, stood up to the challenge that we see of the functionality that you get in WhatsApp and Viber and Kick and Skype and Hangouts and all of these other apps these days. So So what we set out to do with Matrix was just to define a really, really simple, pragmatic HTTP API, similar to the proprietary ones which we see from many different vendors around the place, but ones which um, actually solve that kind of functionality that we need today. Um, and we see users having with WhatsApp, etc. And and the big difference here is to make sure that group communication is a first-class um, citizen. That um, by group communication, you mean like persistent group chats or pieces like that, right? Yeah, precisely. If you look at how people communicate a lot nowadays, it's on WhatsApp. It's with a group of people. It's no longer the old one-to-one phone call style thing. It's asynchronous. It's um, group, it's persistent conversation history, it's synchronized over lots of different devices, it's aware of push notifications, it's all of these kind of standard building blocks, and Matrix is just a very simple protocol, an open standard um, put out there to try to fix that use case. Yeah, I mean, I think in the enterprise space, right, you're seeing a lot of people using uh, Slack to do this kind of thing, same kind of idea. It's a very persistent, very rich client, you know, easy integration of voice and video and other pieces like that. Um, and, and it's a very nice user experience. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that's one of the questions I have is how do you see the, the user experience is such a critical piece of adoption to this? W- what are you doing with that? Because we've seen you know, protocol backends, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
But how do you do that part? Yeah, the user experience is obviously the real challenge on this. And if you look at how some of the attempts to do this in the past have failed, it's often been that folks um, focused a lot more on the technology and the specs um, than actually the user experience. And you look at where Slack is succeeding, it's a really, really nice um, UI. And we have two strategies um, to this. Either you can have a matrix native client, and there's a whole spectrum of those already, which um, vary from command line interface, very <laughs> geeky, bad UX for the average guy, through to some pretty um, glossy ones, which are emerging now, like one called Vector at Vector.im. Or you can just use the existing platforms, because we call Matrix Matrix because it bridges together these existing silos. So we already have a Matrix to Slack bridge. We have a Matrix to Skype bridge. We've got a Matrix to Lib Purple for folks who know what Lib Purple is. Uh, we've just um, <laughs> debuted a asterisk Matrix bridge here today at, uh, that, at yeah. Astrocon 2015. So uh, if you do have a personal preference um, to use Slack or HipChat or WhatsApp or whatever it might be, the goal is that you can use the app that you want. So just to, to go on that, so say I had Slack, I was using that for my group chat within my company or whatever else. So in theory, I, so I would I would add the, the I guess, the matrix bot in, in, in Slack speak. Yeah, it's into, just a, a Slack integration. Okay, so I'd add that into my Slack team, mm -hmm. and then I'd be able to work with that. And then, so items in my Slack chat would be replicated out to a matrix server? Is yep. that... And you have an entire network of matrix servers. Anybody can run one. This is a completely decentralized distributed system. So there is no single server, either matrix or Slack, who end up owning that conversation. And so the matrix server that the Slack bridge is associated with will go and replicate it to any other matrix services which could be running their own bridges into, say, IRC or Skype or whatever it might happen to be. Now, so I guess to get geeky, because I like to do that on a certain level, so let's say that I have the, I've got this integration of Slack. So I'm using my Slack client. I'm working with this. I've got a matrix server running this bridge on here. Yep. Okay. Now, I could have people who want to use matrix clients interacting with that matrix server. So I could run that in my own cloud or in somewhere, wherever I'm, I'm putting it. Absolutely. Now, you talk about the replication between matrix servers. Um, basically, I mean, it's it's kind of like a replicated database or something is what I gather. So, mm -hmm. how, but how does server B find out about you know to know to replicate to server A and then. Is that under my control, I guess? Yeah, so the way it works is that all of the um, servers for the users who are participating in a room get a replica of the chat room. And okay. each server can store as much or as little history as it chooses. Um, so if I'm running a server on a little Raspberry Pi, I might choose to store the last week of data. If it's on a big um, virtual thing in the cloud somewhere, I might just go and store all history ever. Um, and the key thing is that the servers, well, the servers replicate the room in order to discover which servers to talk to. At the moment, we're just using DNS. We're using SRV records, just like hmm. um, XMPP or like SIP. Like XMPP or SIP or something like that. Yeah. Or, or email, for that matter. Yeah. I guess we use MX there, but it's pretty much an SRV record. And so if, I'm, if you're running one on your domain, and I go and um, uh, want to invite you into a conversation. Um, the internal matrix IDs are typical username, domain combinations. And so it will look at the domain name, do an SRV record, and then bring your replicate that room, in, uh, replicate that server into the room or vice versa. Interesting. OK. In some ways, yeah, like there's SRV for XMPP. So if I wanted to go and bring you in, that would know how I would connect to your server. Mm -hmm. But in this case, you're actually replicating the entire chat room. 
Well, on demand. On demand, yeah. Yeah, so as people start backpaginating through the history of that room on your local server, it will look in part of the, as part of the state of the room in order to go and pull in additional history from whatever other servers that happen to be available right then. Okay, so the end goal is really to look at how do you interconnect all of these different islands, these different yep. walled gardens of messaging together. But uh, one challenge we've seen with this in the past, if we think to the IM space, was that you know this, the siloed walled gardens you know, don't want to federate. They don't want to interconnect. Yeah. How do you deal with that here? Yeah, I mean, this is obviously a huge problem, and there are some of the big incumbents who definitely don't want to federate, and, you know, however many billions of dollars say that WhatsApp can be very successful without having to federate. So from the company's perspective, it's not always a clear financial goal. But from the end user's perspective, it's huge, and it's becoming a real problem that just normal guys on the streets are basically being lulled into this fragmented environment where all of their conversations and contacts are fragmented over all of these different services. Right. And there's going to be one point when they realize when they lose all of their Hangouts history or whatever it might happen to be because that service shuts down that they have lost control of their their life, basically, their communication. Well, sure. I mean, I, you know, I have that now, right? I have conversations in Facebook, I have conversations in Skype, in Wire, in, in iMessage, in FaceTime, in different places, and they're all scattered all around. Mm -hmm. But how does Matrix help me bring that together, though? Of course. So it's one thing for the users to start to vote with their feet. At the moment, they don't really have an option to vote for, so we're giving them one. But then again, a lot of the smaller players, all of the kind of up-and-coming, emerging, say, WebRTC-enabled um, services providing communication capabilities um, are also suffering from the incumbents. And if they actually interoperated together, then there is actually a financial reason to go and improve the reach of their products and help onboard people into their networks from a wider matrix ecosystem. So if you imagine this long tail of providers who do go and actually cooperate together, then um, it perhaps becomes more compelling. So you get into the kind of anybody but Facebook and WhatsApp kind of world as far as bringing those people together and some just naming, I mean, yep. the, two of the largest providers that have the largest walled gardens and on a certain level have, you know, no incentive whatsoever to interoperate with anybody else. Absolutely. So you end up in a world like we had with possibly uh, had with Microsoft and Exchange when they were religiously backing X400 and meanwhile the rest of well, the world yeah. was going after SMTP and even Microsoft eventually added SMTP. TP support to exchange. So, so part of that end game in, in your mind is you get everybody else to federate, get everybody else to work in some kind of way. Now, and then eventually, if at some point, it becomes that the big players start to say, well, okay, mm -hmm. you know, enough people on Facebook want to be able to communicate with other people who are already communicating with each other. I mean, this is very much like right back, back in, like you said, back in the messaging, right? Yep. AOL, you know, CompuServe, Prodigy, we all had the separate walled gardens of messaging. SMTP brought us all together for that level of messaging. Mm -hmm. Really what you're saying is how do we get to that spot for the group communication, for the short message yep. communication, the, the, the messaging. And it's fascinating to go back over that history and look at the process that Vince Cerf and those guys were going through in order to bring at least 25 different major islands of email together into eventually the, well, the NSFnet and then the ARPANET. Um, right, right. Um, SMTP backbone. So... It took ages. It was like 12 years of constant <laughs> So I guess one question, though, is how do you deal with identity, you know, in terms of like, you know, we know the this whole issue of, um, you know, how do I know, you know, you're Matthew Hodgson? How do I find you? If I want to communicate with you, how do I do that? 
And yeah. how do I know you're you? Yeah, so this is obviously a real challenge. And one of the things that we believe failed with SIP and um, XMPP is the idea that, yeah, all we need is yet another identifier. And sure, we'll have SIP PRIs on our business cards and Jabber IDs on our email signatures. And other than... I do. There are obviously a few, <laughs> but certainly not the majority, um, certainly not the guy on the street. And with Matrix, what we did was to make the identity system completely agnostic to the actual um, real-world mechanism you use to discover people. So we have internal Matrix IDs, but we'd never expect people to use them in the real world. Instead, if I know your phone number or your email address or your Jabber ID, heaven forbid, um, I can just go and look it up in an identity service at which maps it through to the private Matrix ID, and that gives me then the handle to go and call you using whatever application you like. Hmm. Well, I know we need to get to another session, so we might have to have an, another another version of this uh, to in, to go into more detail around this because I'd love to. But the um, I know we've got to go to the dangerous demos, where I, I think you're probably going to do some da dangerous demos. I suspect so. I think I'll be showing the um, asterisk um, to Matrix Bridge and see whether it works. Okay, well, dangerous so, enough. so maybe just to wrap this part up, if people want to explore more, what do they do? Please go to matrix.org, and it has all of our information. It has the spec there. It has Apache licensed open source implementations everywhere, and um, our blog and Twitter, which is at matrix.org, is the best way to stay in touch with what we're up to. And that is, that is matrix, M-A-T-R-I-X, D-O-T-O-R-G. Correct, so it's yes. the whole, yeah, the whole big thing. Yeah, I went to Matrix, and it was something else. Yeah, that's hair. White <laughs> rabbit, yeah. <laughs> All right, anyway. Well, thank you, Matthew, for this uh, conversation. I hope this has uh, been interesting for people listening, and um, and we'll uh, we'll have to keep, uh, keep checking this out. Indeed. I'm very intrigued. Thanks. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Dan. You've been listening to an interview with Matthew Hodgson of Matrix.org that was recorded on October 15th, 2015 at the Astrocon 2015 event in uh, Orlando, Florida, which is a large conference for users of the Asterisk uh, open source phone telecom system and all of that. But anyway, uh, if you are curious, do check out Matrix.org. Comments are welcome here on SoundCloud.com or anywhere where you see this on social media. And you can check out more of my audio and writing at danyork.me. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.